and the red, lovely red frock. Hello. What is your name? Jean. Jean? J-E-A-N. My favourite spelling of Jean. Hello, Jean. You are a lovely looking woman. You are. Where do you live, Jean? San Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> a lovely Jean. You are. Have we met before? We have, as a matter of fact, a minute ago. Your name is your name is Jean, and you're from San Francisco. This woman's short-term memory is a writer. It is. And that, of course, Mary's, is the very famous Dame Edna Everidge, mm. uh, created by, of course, Barry Humphreys. Mm-hmm. Um, Dame Edna, I don't know if you knew this, Colin, but Dame Edna is Australian. I did know that. Is yes. that perhaps where you've seen her before? I know that when I was in Australia, she certainly. I mean, she's no Courtney Act, but she's certainly a household name. Oh, is she name. not Courtney she's Act? She's no Courtney Act. Well, you know, I would think that she she would be, only because she's been around since the 50s. Oh, no, she is definitely a more household name than Courtney yeah. Act. That's, Courtney makes a reference to that in her season. Oh. oh, I'm kind of like a household name in Australia. Oh, okay. Cut to Australia, crickets. <laughs> um, but no, certainly Dame Edna is very much like a known Australian celebrity. Yeah. Beyond just drag queen, like well, entertainer. Well, and that's what's so fabulous about it and what I think is so important about Dame Edna is that she's a fucking drag queen from the 50s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, amazing and gay. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I don't know. I, I'm so curious. And I'm sure there's so much research or, or sort of history, her history on Dame Ed, Edna can be done. But how she was able to achieve that, like what it was about Dame Edna's act that let her gain this popularity well before her time. Well, you know, when when it happened, well, first of all, it was in Australia. So I think that there's mm-hmm. probably a different kind of 
sensibility there, even mm-hmm. in the fifties. But you know, she originally was making fun of, uh, and appropriate for this episode, she was making fun of the Australian suburb mm-hmm. and yeah. just drab suburban life. And so she created this character to start that, and then um, Edna, because it wasn't Dame Edna, it was Edna, um, right. Everidge, uh She. She, uh, as her character grew, her character then started, uh, you know, touring and becoming a little bit more outlandish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, she started inventing more about who uh, Edna was. Right. And right. Uh, it just became this entire history, this woman with children and right. this woman who knew the queen and talked to Ronald Reagan on the phone mm-hmm. and, you know, all of these things. And she... Uh, yeah, she she started from a satirical place, right? And I think that was kind of her in, in the sense of uh, um, who who could I who could I can relate this to? Um, I don't know. It was almost like it was a it was ju- it was a costume, and it was okay mm-hmm. that it was a man because they, it was a man making fun of a housewife, right? You know, so in a sense, it was kind of sexist. What it sort of makes me think of, even though it's not exactly the same, but I think of. Um, not just Joan Rivers, but Phyllis Diller oh, doing yeah. similar things in terms of like, you know, talking about these sort of like mundane suburban wife issues, you know, like right. being kind of like relatable for the time. Right. Um, and it makes a lot of sense that Dame Edna sort of uh, hit a note on that. I feel like there's, um, there's a very popular, uh, Australian TV show called Kath and Kim, which really picks up where Dame Edna left off in terms of this really sort of absurd satire of Melbourne suburbs. Um, And actually Dame Edna, Barry Humphreys was in some like, you know, Kath and Kim TV movie. Um, So, you know, I don't know if that's why he was there just because of course, you know, why would you not have Dame Edna on Kath and Kim? Um, But I think that that makes a lot of sense. Like that is very much an Australian sensibility that sort of like, um, self-deprecating satirical sense of humor. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, she. Uh, if we're going to be more exact about it, and you know, I have my notes here, but um, she was a part of a, a theater group that toured, mm-hmm. and uh, when they went through different towns, she pretended to be this simple Australian housewife that mm-hmm. would introduce the theater company. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because he was in the show as an actor, right. Barry was, and right. then Edna would come out to introduce the, right. the, the thing. And then as the show kept going, like she just created more and more kind of bits, mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of sprung from there. So it really started more as a character than as a drag queen. Yeah, it was exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And at, 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 uh, at the time, I guess it was billed as Mrs. Norm Everidge. Or that was, I guess, a little bit later. But um, yeah, because she, uh, Everidge being average, right? Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, very clever, Edna. Very clever. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Dame Edna, I mean, certainly, I think that it's that's an interesting idea that it was... Um, it was drag that was born out of a character. It was drag that was born out of theater, you know? Right. And that that became kind of the access point for Dame Edna because people became attached to the character yeah. and weren't even thinking about... Well, oh, and when you go to see Shakespeare, you're used to men in dresses, right? Sure, yeah. But I think, you know, for modern audiences where... Or, you know, 
mid 20th century audiences it's like people get more attached to the character than they do to oh it's a man it's a man in, oh in right drag. This is his lifestyle right, right right and people are really just seeing like oh this is this character that i love right right exactly yeah and then from then on she went on and uh and just did performance after performance mm-hmm. until 1999 i mean she was on lots of television shows uh she was constantly in in london um and she uh I guess she debuted her character on on an off Broadway in New York City in the late seventies. Oh wow! Um, and yeah, the New York Times like panned her, uh, <laughs> oh which of course they panned her because they panned Dropped It Gorgeous. Actually, they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I think uh, what ha- what it ended up happening is that Edna began. She just became a comedian. Yeah, and she interviewed lots of lots of celebrities in the eighties and nineties, um, and basically made fun of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that was her thing. Like yeah. she just like put down celebrities. Well, it's uh, which interesting. Me of Joan Rivers. Yeah, even in that clip, like this idea of like putting people down or reading or whatever. It's interesting her version of reading. Mm. Like it's so like. Like people always say, oh, I'd love to be read by Bianca. I would not enjoy that in the least. But this, like this kind oh, of week, yeah. I would <laughs> so love clever. that because it's so kind of just gentle and playful and, and um, without making you feel like it's certainly jokes at your own expense, but you kind of are like open to it. Like you kind right. of, you know what I mean? It's like right. there's, there's a well, velvet This woman glove. is laughing the entire time. This yeah. Jean, you know, later on, I think I showed this to you later, but she says, uh, oh, well, you remind me of a chameleon. Do you know what a chameleon is, Jean? And she's like, yes. And then Edna goes, it's a reptile, darling. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, she, she ended up writing an autobiography. And so it's basically Barry writing the autobiography of Edna. Oh, wow. But it's not an autobiography of Barry. No, it's of Edna. It's of Edna. Yeah, so it's yeah. really, it's fiction, right. but it's still um, on the nonfiction list. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't huh. that great? That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's so great yeah. uh, that every single word in that is basically fiction. Right. Right. But people have just kind of accepted this character as like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think RuPaul kind of falls into that sometimes. Mm-hmm. This idea that it's like you you forget that RuPaul you know, is this businessman. Right. Well, I guess when you think of like RuPaul's books, you know, think of like work in it and you think of sort of like the, there's another, I can't remember the name of the other one, but obviously they are coming from RuPaul Charles's mind. But when you see the queen on the cover, like we're really, we're kind of putting two and two together of like, oh, this is, you know, Mama Ru. Mm. This is the, the, the monster. This is the supermodel giving this advice. It's like, no, it's not. It's RuPaul Andre Charles yeah. giving this advice from what he learned in creating this character. Right, right, right. Which uh, I think it makes, yeah, I don't know. It's a little entertaining to yeah. see. I guess if, if it was RuPaul um, in boy drag on mm-hmm. the cover, I would be like... Oh, that's this is gonna have a different tone. Yes, and I think that if RuPaul were to put out another book, he would absolutely be that. He would not be in drag. Oh well, he certainly couldn't take as many risks. No, no. What I mean, in in terms of like with the spotlight he has now, the Emmy nominations he has now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, Mary, uh, why don't we move on? Why don't we tell our listeners what they're listening to? Of course, this is of course another episode of All Right, Mary. All right, Mary. All right, Mary, which is our podcast dedicated to all things Drag Race, the world of Drag Race, and the paradigm that RuPaul has created with this little TV show. I'm Johnny. And I am Colin. And today, we are not recapping another episode of Drag Race. We are... I know, but we have been recapping and recapping... 
we've we've just been putting the caps on everything, and so <laughs> all these open markers, we're just putting the caps on, and <laughs> frankly, I'm woozy, Mary, uh, and I'm ready to kind of have a bit of a palate cleanser, mm. and you know, we have talked about uh, doing some recap discussions of some uh, draggy movies, and I think we have a definition in our mind of of what the parameters of a draggy movie are. Yeah, it's certainly not one about drag queens. Right, and there's some obviously fabulous drag-specific movies out there. Uh, Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Right, right. I mean, we've gotten some requests for Priscilla, for The Birdcage, which are great movies, and we could go on and on. Oh my God, those movies are fucking fabulous. I mean, I was thinking about The Birdcage today, and I was just like, oh God, it like... It's just so good. I mean, I just think like Hank, Hank Azaria is. Oh, my mother. Oh my god. Oh, Tom. my mother. My too. mother. Yeah. Her favorite character is Hank Azaria, obviously. Yep. And what my mom. Oh my god, I cringe, and so I'm gonna make you all. And I right know now. what it's gonna be. You know what it is. I do, but too. so <laughs> she always does it. She goes. She works hard for <laughs> the money. Uh 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 uh. So hard for the money. Uh 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 uh. <laughs> oh, That's not what I was thinking, and I wish it. Was I wish it, what I was thinking was what it was because that was tough. What was it? Well, what I was, and this <laughs> <That> is <was tough. laughs> this might be um, a little self aware for Deb, but um, I was thinking that it was when uh, Diane Weist says, Somebody has to like me best, <laughs> Just, which to me is my mother would say that seriously. That's what I that's what I mean. Like, that's what I think of your mom. That's the first line I think of is that, but I think it literally. Oh, she doesn't listen to this podcast. She doesn't know what podcasts are. She no. did just learn about emojis and LOL. I mean, it's, it's she, frightening. Using it's all them. Happening. It's all yeah. happening. It's yeah. Happening. Oh, yeah. Ugh. LOL. Ugh. LOL. She, I mean, like, I guess she knows. It's like learning a language. Like, she understands. Like, right. I guess, but I'm just like imagining other people texting her and using LOL. And my mom being like, oh, you know, hmm. anyway. Like, yeah, the learning process. Yeah. yeah it's if, like- if you if you do wonder, Mary's, about who my mother would play in a movie, it would be uh, Diane Weist would play her. That's probably the closest. If you if you wanted to know who Johnny's mother was without ever meeting her, there she is. Yeah, it's that's Diane pretty Weist. specific. Yeah, it's yeah. Diane Weist. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially like in the birdcage. In the birdcage. Yeah. I think those Michael Kors shoes. <laughs> I think she was wearing them in that movie. Not for nothing. <laughs> uh, my mother's the type of woman, if you complimented her shoes, like, oh, Debbie, I love your shoes. She'd go, oh, Michael Kors. Michael Kors. <laughs> <laughs> they got a big old MK on the tongue, but no big deal. Thanks for letting us know. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Colin, you uh, you looked into one of the, uh, the, the, the pillars of drag queen. I did. Well, no, so here's the thing. The reason, of course, that we started this episode talking about Dame Edna is because we mentioned this uh, a week or two ago that we wanted to start kind of doing, uh, you know, our own herstory and, and you know, giving a little moment of appreciation, a spotlight to queens outside of Drag Race because there are, of course, more queens outside of Drag Race than in Drag Race. And uh, much like the words of Latrice Royale, you need to know where these words are coming from. Yeah, yeah. And that's so... Right, that's right, Mary. <laughs> that's right, Mary. Um, or as I like to remember that quote, you need to know where this music's coming from. Right. Um, so that's kind of what this segment is, is is that. Um, so the queen that I was very excited to do a little um, research on was, of course, 
lip sync. I mean, th- when I think of one of my favorite queens, yeah. it's lip sync for sure. I mean, that uh, famous act that she did with the phones. Well, that's like her thing. Everybody needs to watch that. If you haven't seen lip sync doing her phone act, just just mm-hmm. Google it right or on well, YouTube. So I had written down like in terms of essential viewing, and of course we'll post this on Twitter. But essential viewing that includes the phone gag, which is really like a signature thing that she does. Um, the name of the video is Lip Sync at Boy Bar in New York in NYC 1993 mm. first of all it's New York in 1993 yeah. so I'm just like oh yeah it's like what you did yeah on like, like a Tuesday right I was like oh my god none of these people are on their phones yeah everybody is engaged right everybody is wearing acid wash and stone washed and nothing's fit you know yeah, even the gays oh yeah. my god but it's just like they made them differently back then, you know? Yeah. Gays were different back then. Well, I mean, it was harder, you know? People oh, were a, dying. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing is, uh, it, not that the performance reflects this, but as I'm watching it, I'm just kind of thinking of the people in that crowd and I'm thinking of the, the time of New York that it is. And it's like, oh, Boy Bar, which I've never been to. I don't know when it closed, but I just then was thinking like, oh, this is like post-HIV, pre-AZT, New York. Oh, that's an interesting lens not to like put a big old wet smallpox blanket on all of this i know right but it's you know you got to know where this music's coming from right um for sure so lipsinka actually lipsinka um who's uh you know boy name whatever is john epperson uh he is he started doing lipsinka um in like 1982 and he at the pyramid club yeah that's where things have started in club 57 sure yeah and so and eventually um you know, shows were taken off Broadway and, and he did them in San Francisco and he did it at La Mama in New York and, um, and of course was a staple at Wigstock. Uh, without doing a whole autobiography on Lipsinka, really what you need to know is that Lipsinka is the queen of not just spoken word lip syncs, which in and of itself she is the queen of, but it's how well edited yeah. these spoken word lip syncs are. This is not just right. her doing like one long speech. This is what's what's um, as I was doing my research and watching different videos and like kind of like checking out kind of the backlog of Lipsinka. What I love about her act is that her act is not just her doing these brilliant lip syncs, um, but it's just this archive of all of these old campy references yeah. and forgotten, you know, actresses and singers and all of these are just these little samples that kind of grab your attention and you're like, oh, who was that? What is that from? And kind of keeps these things alive. Right, right. And I think that's very much your aesthetic for sure. That's why you love Tammy Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love drag queens who are archivists, you know? Right, um right. like I love uh I think that was such a pronoun- uh, a pretentious way to pronounce archivists as archivists. Sometimes Go see, home, Mary. You see the word in your head. You're like, how's this going to sound coming out? Eh. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know, so, better than others. But I, I, that's what I do like about drag is that it's kind of like there's this idea of who 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 better of a gay historian than a drag queen. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, there's no question. You know, and the other thing that I think about with Lipsinka is the technology used to make those mixes, yeah. to make those uh, uh, mashups. Oh, I mean, it's not as easy as it is now in terms of gathering all of them, oh, yeah. in terms of editing I mean, them it together. wasn't on a computer, I don't think. I don't know how he did it. Um, but And these are, I mean, it, he's not just, you know, Lipsinka is not just, here's four or five movies and quotes from these. It's just like most of Lipsinka's references, I don't get. 
Right. And I'm like, and I thought, oh, okay. I mean, I don't know everything about everything, but I know like three things about a lot of things. And I was like, I don't know what most of these are. Mm. And that to me is like, a, is exciting. Yeah. It's like, oh, well then I want to like find what this stuff is. Yeah. And that's why I think Lip Sync's um, performances are just so brilliant. And one of the things I liked, um, where's my phone? There was a, there was a quote about Lip that is absolutely worth um, discussing. Um, or at least capping this off with, which I think is is a nice refrain. Come on, phone, iCloud. Okay, well, I can't find it, so um, I'll... Do you want me to stop? No, I'll just paraphrase it. So basically what it was was that... Um, John Epperson was saying that, you know, there's there's potential for so much misogyny in drag and to be making fun of women in drag. And he's like, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And they were saying that like, even like, even though he's kind of lip syncing, performing is all, you know, these sort of campy references, you know what I mean? Like Valley of the Dolls or like old Susan Hayward movies or whatever. Like there's always a love for the women when he's impersonating them. Right. And it's this like, I hadn't thought about that till I read that. And then I was watching. And I was like, yeah, at no point is he making fun of Joan Crawford. Because mm-hmm. that's, of course, Lip Sync's like most infamous impersonation is doing these mommy dearest uh, cuts and these Joan Crawford references. And even Joan Crawford, it, it's all reverence. Right. Um, it's all kind of, there's, there's a respect there, which is kind of, um, which I think is why these performances are so good. It's not just making fun. It's mm. not just like being a clown. It's really kind of like, yes, highlighting how ridiculous some of these women are and, and how over the top they were, but also how fabulous they were yeah. at the same time. Oh, yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. <clears throat> I get that from all, a lot of the Snatch Game characters, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're <clears throat> they're certainly making fun of and finding the little bits to kind of bring out. Uh, like Judge Judy, for instance. Like right. Bianca, th- th- there's no question in my mind that Bianca loves Judge Judy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? and, I think- and, and same with Katya and Bjork. I mm-hmm. mean, there's no question. Right, right. And I think that's how it works, is if there's like some heart underneath it, which I think is what works for Dame Edna as well. Right. There's a lot of heart underneath all of that character. Right. And right. why people are so want to read a, a, a fake biography about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well... Uh, anything else on Lipsinka? Um, I think, you know, the only other thing I would I think, uh, I, th- I think, uh, Lipsinka, um, no, I mean, I think just one thing I thought was interesting is, you know, uh, John Epperson kind of re- rejected the term drag queen and felt it was very reductive. Um, and was like, I consider myself an actor who's doing, who's like a drag artist, who's doing kind of drag art. Oh, I see. That's I thought, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I thought, okay, you know, like right. define it your way. And I guess the only thing I would say as well about Lipsinka is that she has this kind of Carol Burnett quality. That's really, like, if you watch it, especially if you watch this like Lipsinka boy bar video, there's something, and I put that there is just like, go expl- see if that makes any sense while you're watching it. Okay. But I feel like that's like a very like specific star quality kind of thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Like whatever Carol Burnett had, you don't really teach that or get that. You just are that. Yeah. And I think there's something in Lip Sync's performance that's similarly endearing. You're just like watching her. Yeah. You're just yeah. fascinated by her. And there's, there's, there's an a, ease, there's like right? a beauty and a quirkiness and a mm. cleverness all happening at the same time. Right. So yeah, really, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Lip Sync. It's just amazing. Oh man. I wonder why some of these drag queens haven't been 
guests or judges on RuPaul's Drag Race? I don't know. Do you think know. it's just like a, a crossing of brands or? I don't know. I mean, I would love to see like a, a lip sync or Coco Peru. Jackie Beat. Jackie Beat. I mean, yeah. you know, it's funny. I saw a clip of Jackie Beat on, she was on Hey Queen with Johnny McGovern and mm-hmm. was doing the whole look at her thing, you know, where they look at different queens and uh-huh. give some <laughs> feedback. And Jackie Beat seemed to have this kind of like, no, okay, I like what RuPaul's doing, but like, I think what I gathered was that Jackie Beat had a similar idea at the same time RuPaul oh. did, but RuPaul's took off and Jackie's didn't. Wow. So I think she's kind of like, okay, well, uh, I'm glad this worked out for you. I don't oh, know. I see. That I was see. the impression I got. So maybe Jackie Beat huh. would not be so interested in doing it. Yeah, that. I mean, for the same reason Lady Bunny. I mean, it's just it's interesting that these queens have, mm-hmm. like, they just don't want to fly out there, you know? It's like, right. I, I don't know what it is, but, like, it, it is strange that in nine seasons and two All-Star seasons, we've had... No legendary drag queen guests. I I think that's an accurate statement, Colin. Yeah, except for Latoya Jackson. Like we have not had like <laughs> Paul Abdul. Paul Abdul. Like we have not had like a legit Pam Tillis. Sorry, Pam Tillis. Recent <laughs> podcast reviewer on iTunes, Pam Tillis. Oh yes, that's right. We'll talk about that towards the end. Love her. Uh, amazing. Yeah, really amazing. I, yeah. Uh, when I first started reading it, I was just like. What is is this a five? Oh, this is Pam Tillis. This is Pam Tillis talking. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Mary. As I slowly slipped the hanky out of my pocket and yeah. just gently waved it as I read. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mary. Uh, well, we should move on to uh, the, the kind of the main meat of today's yeah. episode. Yeah, uh, I had I had trouble this week watching Drop Dead Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, only because who is it directed by or written by Lana Matthews? Uh, Lona. Is it Lona? It was. Was it Matthews? Yeah, I think so. Williams. Lona, Lona Williams. Williams yes. Who also played Jean? Yeah. The the third judge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Brilliant. Fabulous. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Lona. Um, yeah, I, I struggled with it, and I watched it a few times, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't. I was like, why are we watching this this week? Why are we watching this? And, you know, I kind of knew that it was there. And then it hit me. I'm like, oh, this is a draggy movie. Yeah. This is a draggy movie. Yeah. So the last time we spoke, because we haven't like really like talked. We haven't talked about this. No. And so the last we spoke, you called me like, I can't think of any ideas. And I was like. Well, you know, you'll figure it out, and I have to still watch it again, and like just goes like, well, you know, I haven't figured it out either, but we're gonna, and yeah. so we don't know what we're bringing to the table today. Yeah, I definitely have my ideas about it. I mean, they're probably similar. Yeah, I mean, certainly there's the like it is watching it again because I haven't watched it in a while. I. I forgot how much of this movie is like a Paris is burning for me that like oh, I really? use so many quotes from this movie. Oh, you do? And have used them like in the past oh, casually. Like um, that's why we Lutherans use grape, grape Kool-Aid for the blood of Christ. <laughs> oh, you betcha Iris. Um, <laughs> got my mom hat on. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I mean, I say uh, Alabama, A-L-A-B-A-M-A all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, just a little Alaska. snarl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, there's so many, there's so many quotes from this movie. There's so many moments from this movie that like, this, like watching it again, I watched it just again today before um, coming here and I was just like, oh, this is like cult status for me. I could watch this weekly. You oh, know what wow. I mean? Yeah. Because it's not, <clears throat> it's that thing that happens with cult movies where people are watching it for certain moments right? and for certain things and ju- it's almost like I just need to go scratch that itch. I just yeah. need to see that scene again. Oh, okay. 
And that's how I feel about this movie. You know what's so interesting? Uh, and, and then I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about it this way. But originally they wanted Sigourney Weaver to play Kirstie Alley's character. Really? Yeah. I did not realize that because I don't know who else would play this role with the same monstrous charm. Well, you know what's so interesting? And I, I forget who quoted this in the article I read. But um, uh, they said that... Uh, what's Kirstie Alley's character's name? Oh, uh, Gladys Lehman. Gladys. Gladys would have wanted Sigourney Weaver to play. Oh, well. yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she wanted Sigourney Weaver. She got Kirstie She got Kirstie Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor thing. Oh, my, I mean, it's... So, yes, the movie, it came out in 1999. It bombed. Yeah. I right, mean, people, right. like, critics, I don't even think it had much of a... In terms of box office. Well, it was Denise Richards, like, second movie after Wild Things. Oh, was it? Wild Things was 98. That's right. That's right. It was Amy Adams' first movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, Denise Richards, um, who is amazing in this movie. Yeah, I think this is oh, one of her best roles. Well, and she didn't do much after this. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing that I still watch. Right, yeah. right. Um, and I mean, Kirsten Dunst. I mean, she was just coming off of like Interview with a Vampire, like because that was ninety four. Yeah, like basic things. She hadn't. Uh, yeah, I guess what she was just very simple. There wasn't much to, that she had done before this. Because her big one was Virgin Suicides, and I don't remember when that came out. That was after this. Was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, like, the cast is so good. Well, and I also have to tell you, one of the other brilliant things is that besides the some of those big names, and then obviously Brittany Murphy, oh, who is just alpha clueless, like, uh, she's fabulous she, in this movie. She is, like, there's something about her character where I was, like, watching it again, I was like, she is, a, she is so charming yeah. and so likable. Yeah. And I think a lot of this is Brittany Murphy. Right. I think that she... Well, every character Brittany Murphy did was a little bit Brittany Murphy. Right, so. but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like why that character... Because that character was a, a, a side role. Yeah. Like, she had... Like, there wasn't... She wasn't the star of the show at all. Right. But there's something about her that I just feel like, oh, I think Brittany Murphy elevated this role. Right, You right. know? Well, all the other um, girls that were cast mm -hmm. were uh, locals. Really? From Minnesota. Oh, so like the dog girl yeah. and the girl with the Japanese pants. Yes. Obviously, that was Japanese. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, they and they're great. I mean, yeah. that's actually that's brilliant because I know, they I think didn't it's so brilliant. They didn't feel like actors, right? They felt like well, that's what because the, the original vision was don't cast any names because we it was kind of like a Blair. They wanted like a Blair Witch take. Oh yeah, where they wanted to think that it was real. Right. They wanted it to go as real as possible. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I you know I didn't get a chance to do that kind of. I was going to do that kind of research on the movie. And I was like, oh, whoops. I just wanted um, to know what it was like back in 1999. And so I ended yeah. up kind of reading about it. Mm -hmm. And because I was like, I don't really remember when this came out. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't there. Yeah. Like, I remember when it came out and I didn't see it till it was on like HBO or whatever. So it's probably not for another couple of years. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of thing where you get a movie on a certain level. You know what I mean? Like you appreciate it in a certain way and there's certain jokes like I think when I first saw it, I didn't fully appreciate the way that like the former winner, Mary was like in the hospital as, an, you know, with anorexia. anorexia, like that was, it was so dark. And that's what so I, brilliant. when we talk, so when we talk about this idea that drop dead gorgeous is a draggy movie to me, my definition of it, the reason I called a draggy movie and, and the elements that made this sort of eligible to me is, um, Certainly the sense of humor, certainly the irreverence. I mean, this is not a politically correct movie. Right. This is this is certainly pushing boundaries that we expect from drag queens. Um, I feel like the whole movie, like, 
there's it's similar to how we talk about the Brady Bunch movie. Yeah. That there's just this overall vibe of like, oh, this is there's a there's lipstick on this whole movie. There's a little <laughs> bit of drag on this whole there's some movie. Some glitter, you know. Yeah. On the floor there, Mary. Yeah, like yeah. the whole movie has some like drag on it. It's all almost more I guess because it really is like a this searing satire yeah. of the American dream. You know, I I went to uh, I don't know, I really thought hard about this. I mean, when you think about a pageant, right? And you mm-hmm. think about pageant culture uh, the, the the move this movie is like a, a really really like vicious take on pageant culture yeah and so i think about uh one of the main things in the movies uh i think at the beginning of the movie that they said is like well pageants are just what you did pa- mm. every, you know if you didn't look like a fry which it's you just know, yeah that's what that's what lisa uh, Brittany murphy's character yeah, yeah, says. exactly this is just what you do this is what you do yeah and so then i thought well then that's normalcy and drag is what takes normalcy and flips it on its head. Mm-hmm. And so I think about, you know, the, you know, winning a pageant meant like, you know, you could leave the local town you grew up in yeah. and pageants were a way out. And then I thought about like, okay, well, drag is a way out for, you know, people. RuPaul's show is a way out for many of the small town queens. And then I was like, well, no, 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 no. People are taking pageants still in this country so seriously. Yeah. Just the same way that t- people take gender so seriously to mm-hmm. the point where they will get violent about it, where they will fight about it. And gender is so serious and real to so many. And so, you know, it reminds me of when drag queens just take gender and, and poke fun at it and flip it on its head and, mm-hmm. and, and make it do jump splits. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. And people are offended by drag in the same way that I think people were offended by Drop Dead Gorgeous and making yeah. fun of pageant culture and this idea of, of just how dark it was Mm -hmm. because if you think about pageants i mean none of it's real it's all an expression of this like constructed life right this constructed vision of yourself while Mm -hmm. at the same time in some way it's like expressing who they are Mm -hmm. um, or who they want to be inside right and where have we heard that before on rupaul's drag race where it is an expression of of something that they necessarily not can't necessarily access as a boy Mm -hmm. and so when you think about um first of all the movie making fun of of pageants mm-hmm. in the same way that drag makes fun of gender. And then you have actual pageants as a way for, for kind of local kind of, you know, Midwest kind of, you know, middle America Queens mm-hmm. or excuse me, Queens mm-hmm. uh, right. uh, girls to, to get out, to escape kind of yeah. the, the, their gender for a second and be powerful women that are, are, you know, beautiful and clap and have quote unquote talents. Yeah. Um, well, that for me was certainly like, you know, in terms of like the deeper themes of, of this movie. That's I, where I went. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw the same thing like, oh, even I mean, it's a really funny movie, but like similar, we're just talking about like, you know, Dame Edna or, or you know, Lip Sync or, or, or queens who have a heart underneath. There's not necessarily a heart underneath in Trapped Gorgeous, but there's a brain. Right, and right. I think that when this movie did came out, I don't think that people got the joke. And I think we're expecting something a little bit more straightforward. Because just to, to quickly catch you up, if you have not seen Drop Dead Gorgeous, it's about um, <clears throat> this Miss American teen pageant takes place in a small town in Minnesota, in Mount Rose, Minnesota. Mount Rose. Mount Rose. And it's sort of a um, Christopher Guest meets John Waters. There's this documentary crew. The whole thing is a mockumentary. It's a documentary crew that's come to document uh, the girls who are participating in this pageant. And all of this is that they're, they're, you know, this is such a small level. This gets you out of Mount Rose. And then you go to the semifinals among all the other girls from the other towns in Minnesota. And then from there, if you win that, then you're going to go to the Sarah Rose Cosmetics uh, headquarters in Alabama 
uh, in Lincoln, Alabama, or whatever. And like that's kind of like the trajectory. That's the that's the getting out of here, right? And that's really this running theme of this movie is getting out of this small town. Like the guys, you know, the boys can get out with hockey scholarships and and things like that, or or prison. I think those I think those are the two options. <laughs> this is how girls get out of Mount Rose. Yeah, and. You know, when I was watching it again, I was like, oh, there's all of this story that's being shown and not told of how Gladys and Annette, Amber's mother, both competed in the same pageant. Right. Gladys won. Amber or Annette lost. Gladys very quickly had um, Rebecca, had Becky Ann Lehman, Rebecca Glasscock of the movie. <laughs> um, and uh, And I guess Annette you know, not long after I had Amber and both of them were stuck in Mount Rose, right. you know, and it's, it is kind of like a heavier way of reading a really funny movie, but that's why this movie works because even though these are these like total cartoon characters in a way underneath are these like these real stories, this oh, shit yeah. fucking happens. No, it happens and it happened, you know, I, you know, I feel like the movie became a cult classic because more urban and queer people saw it. Yeah. And and for me the movie was uh was for outcasts, for people that didn't fit into this pageantry. Yes. For mm-hmm. people that like were the fries mm-hmm. and hated this culture and thought it was so constructed and so fake. Yeah. And you know, because the other thing that I walk away from this movie and I think um one of the director the director of of this movie said this, but that success and fame is meaningless. Yeah. And yeah. and you find that out at the end of this movie, spoiler alert, but like yeah. it fucking sucks. Like it's like the Wizard of Oz, like there is no way None of this was real. Yeah, it's none all of a it sham. is real. It's all a sham. Yeah, and they're I mean, all of their dreams come crashing to an end. Yeah, that this was this was the yellow brick road, and it ran right off a cliff. Right, yeah. right. And you know what's interesting is that it's not about the success, right? It's mm-hmm. about who you become in the process, right? And I believe right. that about RuPaul's Drag Race too, mm-hmm. right? Like you can go on that show and not win and still turn into this like amazing queen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I think about, like I think about these these girls who are in this contest. Like, I, I mean, we only really find out about um, Amy Adams' character at the end, other than the main characters, that she, you know, in, in, <laughs> enrolls in a, be- in a local beauty school, pays her way through school stripping, and has, like, disappeared in the Philippines somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but that's very real. Like, yeah. that, it, like, it's funny, but it's all real. Like, right. all that shit happens right. and happens to these small town girls. You know, it happens to these cheerleaders. They get out. They get out, and that's the, it's like, well, it's out. It's a door. Yeah. I'm just looking for a door here. Right. And I, I, I just, um, I love the world of Mount Rose that is created. And I think it, I can't believe it's taken me long to say this, but what I love about Drop Dead Gorgeous the most, you know it's coming, Mary's. You fill that glass because it is the nuance, sure. Mary. It sure. is, there is, there is so much similar to the comeback. There's nuance that's thrown in there just to create the scene. Yeah. And I think that's also why this movie is kind of culty. Is right. There's so much to There's discover. little things. Yeah, especially um, I think on the third watch, I started noticing Gladys's sidekick. Oh, Iris? Love. Yeah, oh, love Iris. I fucking love Iris. She That is such a brilliant character. That's who you would play. Well, And you know, most of that was improvised. So that was my question is how much, because a lot of this feels like good improv. Only her. Really? Oh, yeah. she's fabulous yeah Yeah, that's mindy sterling who most people know from the austin powers movies is 
amazing perfect she's yeah. the one who says that's why we lutherans use grape kool-aid for the blood of christ <laughs> i mean she is uh and and gladys says i think more than once she says oh you betcha iris and i i feel like since i've heard that i have said that more more times than i can remember over the years um but yeah it's um who I, now that's a good question of who i would play because i wouldn't i would normally think iris yeah you're iris but my ultimate who i would play any movie any actress anytime anywhere is loretta oh Alice and of course okay yeah. of course that would be my the, the second choice i mean second i want to play multiple characters in this movie. you also want to play any alice and jenny character oh i want to play any <laughs> alice and jenny character but this one is the one i think this is the one i think this is the first time i ever really saw alice and jenny and i was like what did she like Loretta is she's, pitch she's perfect. There's so many little things. When she's she, hitting on the waiter, I think at the at the very end of the movie. Oh yes, hotel, yeah, yeah. She's like the bartender. Oh she's yeah, like, I got a little present for yeah. you. Catch this in your mouth. Oh, you got it in one. And she puts the <laughs> hands out to take his face and kiss him. It's so brilliant. I mean, there's there's so many little things. Like as much as they're all sort of satirical, slightly cartoonish characters. It's so dark. It, it it's so there are these little details that root them in reality and Loretta I think more than anyone else like there's so many when they go to the hospital to visit Annette after she's oh. blown out of the out of the trailer I didn't notice this till the most recent time I watched it but Loretta has this paper bag wrapped bottle with her like that she's just drinking a beer you know it's oh, like a 40 wrapped okay. in paper and it was just this tiny detail where it was like of course Loretta would bring you know a 40 a 40 um and there's this little note that I took of um, Loretta's waves. It's just, you know, in terms of if I'm just going to like get off on nuance for a minute. Um, when they're at the hospital, there's the part where Annette and Amber are fighting and the camera crew gets kicked out and then they're in the hallway and then Loretta kind of like waves them in. Do you remember that? She's no. like, she's standing outside the door. She's like, yeah, just come on in. And she just like waves <laughs> them in. And it's this like great little unnecessary moment that they include that... I don't, but just like takes it to the next level. Sure, sure. And then, well, it's, I mean, it's very real. It's, it's right. this kind of like real thing. That, it's this yeah. little, it's this whole little micro story. I mean, there's a lot of that in the comeback, right? right. Little it's, stories that happen in a, a very quick moment. Exactly. And then at the end of that scene, when they, when they're, you know, hugging and making up, and then they cut to Loretta and she's like wiping her nose and crying and she's waving the camera away. Right. It's like, you just told me this whole story about Loretta. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, the scene wasn't about her at all. Right. And I just think there's little things like that that this movie does where I'm like, this is like so well done. This is so smart. Yeah. I don't think people are giving this movie credit. It, well, I mean, it certainly was well acted. Yeah. yeah. It certainly was well acted. And you know, the writing as well is, is, I mean, it's, it's, Pure satire. Like oh my god! Dripping, and and I think that rubs people the wrong way, especially mm -hmm. if you're not a queer urban youth person. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, to um, me because I like because you're watching it, and you're like, oh my god, that girl just blew up. Am I supposed to laugh? Right, right. Well, it, it makes me think like, did it take the gays to discover this movie to to give it the audience it needed? Because to me, all of that seems. As as a thirty two year old gay man, I think goth girls too, Colin. Sure. Well, that's what I'm, I'm what I'm trying to understand is who was the audience that found this movie and was like, oh, I get it. I get that Betty and Joe beer can didn't get this, right? But uh, I get it, right? And like, I to me, I feel like, oh, this is like right on gay men's alley, yeah. Ho. Like this is so. You know, and I will say this: it's a very cult classic in the sense that the first time you watch it, much like the first time you watch Showgirls, mm -hmm. it's. 
you're like, what the fuck was that was terrible. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, in some ways, Kirstie Alley is terrible in this movie. Yeah. And in other ways, she's fabulous. Yes. Right. Like, it's right. in the way that you watch it. Right. Because, like, straightforward, she's terrible. But then yeah. when you kind of get into the tone of the movie and what she's doing and who she's being, you're like, you kind of accept it the way you accept, like, a sketch comedy character. Sure. You're like, oh, no, I'm just watching you perform this person. Right. And this this idea. Until, of course, that freak out at the end. Oh, my God. Well, she finally comes out of the she, closet. I mean. And we see the freak that she is. Yeah. yeah she's not a pageant queen. Oh, and, and yeah. she just, she has this amazing moment. Oh, my God. Of just women acting. <laughs> like, there's nothing I love more than women acting. And she, she makes Look Who's Talking look like for richer or oh, poorer. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I also did explore some of Kirstie Alley's filmography as I was doing research on this movie. She has a weird career. Yeah. It wasn't She was in The Village of the Damned. She was in The Village of the Damned in like 94, right, 95. Right. I remember watching that movie and was like, this is really weird. Yeah. Um, she was in... Look Who's Talkings. She was in The Look Who's Talkings. Obviously, she was she's in Cheers. Si- she's, a, she's a Scientologist. That's right. She is a Scientologist. So yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. she was in Fat Actress. That was the thing that I was like, oh, because it's like it, it, it's this weird version of a reality show. Right. And I was like, oh, I, you know, it got mixed reviews. Like it only lasted like seven episodes. But that's something I'd be interested in exploring. But just because that whole idea of like mixing reality with mm. um, with satire and being yeah. able to make fun of yourself, you know. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. She was also in It Takes Two with the Olsen twins. Oh, yes. With Steve Gutenberg. With Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> Yes, yeah, oh we all God. love him. Yeah, we all love Steve Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he. I love his Friar Tuck look. Yeah, yeah, that movie would be on HBO a lot when I was. Um, I mean, I certainly, you know, post figuring out what I was what I was into. So post the age of twelve, um, and I remember being like, "Oh, Steve Gutenberg, that camp counselor charm." Yeah, Steve like, Gutenberg. Ooh, yeah. yeah, he was the younger of the Three Men and a Little Lady guys. That's right. You know, and I never really watched Three Men and a Little Lady. Oh, he was. He was the he was the cartoonist. Yes. Yeah, he was really cute. Yeah, no, I mean he's Steve Gutenberg. He can uh, he can get it. Okay, he can certainly. All right, get, Mary. All right, Mary. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg. Oh. Uh, so anyway, so yes, you went through Kirstie Alley's. So I did. I went through her filmography. Um, obviously, she was in Cheers, and that's like you know her oh, most yeah. yeah right. Like oh yeah, and she was in Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, but she was in a series of just like terrible movies right like for she, Rupert, yeah, yeah like there's there was one i watched the trailer for it was this like 1990 now 1990 was like a dead zone i feel like for movies i can't think of anything from 1990 that i loved i, I mean that, that sounds like a challenge but go ahead sure i mean i put that out there um but there was this movie called like madhouse that looked you know when you watch a trailer and you're like i already know that this like they couldn't even cut all the good all the shit out like this is bad even in the trailer wow well, I mean, Colin, Home Alone, Misery, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ghost, Edward Scissorhands, Pretty Woman. Um, oh, wait. Maybe this is just 90s movies. Hold on. Let me test that theory. Is it specifically 1990? Oh, no. Pretty Woman was 1990. Yeah. And Home yeah. Alone was 90. Yeah. Isn't that... Home Alone was 1990. Ghost was 1990. Ghost was good. Gremlins 2. Oh, sure. Another drag movie. No, that's true. Um, Dick Tracy. Oh. Yeah, I never got into When do we eat? 
Um, you never got into Dick Tracy? No. It, was, it, it seemed too much like a boy movie. Oh, it was. Yeah. Kindergarten Cop. Uh, you had Arachnophobia. Big Spiders. Uh, you had Days of Thunder. Okay, Nicole Kidman. I never watched Days of Thunder. You're a terrible person. And then uh, The Witches, another drag okay, movie. Okay, I take it back. The Witches uh, is... Finally. Uh, Mary's, <laughs> you heard it here. Colin... It has taken something. I take back. it back. I still have the receipt. <laughs> it's still the rescuers down days. under. Ducktales, the movie. No, it was a good year, Mary. Nineteen ninety. Postcards from the edge. Come on, uh, Mary. Don't you wish it was nineteen ninety again? Uh, no. I don't know. We don't either. <laughs> it was like, uh, but I mean, yeah, sure, sure, okay. There were some decent movies. Um, so what, what, how did we get on the topic of the Oh, because it was uh, when Kirstie Alley was acting and stuff. Oh, so. yeah. So anyway, so yes, Kirstie Alley, um, strange, <laughs> strange career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. um, so back to uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have much more to say about it, except that, you know, that's kind of what I got out of it, is that it was just this really biting satire on pageant culture just like drag comments on gender and i i mean i enjoy the movie i'm not i know that i'm not laughing like everybody else Mm. i know that i'm not um but i also am enjoying myself i love the pageant part the pageant part on is my favorite yeah um because i think you know the, the 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 paint gag when they're, when oh, they're the, the paint number. gag is brilliant. Yeah. It's so well-timed and yeah. so well-done. And it like, I took that note that the paint gag is brilliant. Yeah, so, so if, smart. if you haven't seen the movie, it's basically they do a dance number to uh, Gloria, Gloria Stefan. Stefan. Yeah. Um, Come on, shake your body, man, do that conga. Um, yeah. and, and they're wearing all these little paint costumes-ish. Uh, and they mm-hmm. have these little step ladders. And I guess they just painted Somebody had just painted the step because ladders. it was um, it was the the mentally challenged brother had just painted them. Oh right, right before. Um, and so I can't even talk about him. But um, <laughs> I was going to say, you want to talk about him? No, no. Um, so they yeah they just painted them and then uh, yeah so they're doing this dance where they have to sit on the step ladders or they have to put their hands on it and then put their hands on their white shorts. Oh my god, it's and and I love that it cuts to like. Um, like <laughs> Annette, like laughing in the audience, oh, like yeah, losing her dying. shit. Yeah, oh my god! Um, I'm just gonna turn a light on real quick. Um, she the another part of that pageant um that I loved was uh when the previous winner of Mount Rose comes out in a wheelchair and lip syncs to "Don't Cry Out Loud." Uh, oh my! I mean, god. it was it was a moment that you didn't know if you should laugh or cry. Oh my god! It was that like it's things like that where I'm like, only the gays in 1999 could really wrap their arms around how perfect this is. Like, it's, sure, I get why people were not into this. Right? It's just it's so brilliant. Yeah. Um, I will say that that actually, and watching this again, I was surprised. But I like. I mean, I love Loretta, and she probably is my favorite character of the movie. <clears throat> But a special note goes out to um, Lester Lehman, Gladys's husband. Oh, okay. He right. is brilliant. Yeah. Well, and he's also, you know, he can oh, get it. Oh, he he's that it. guy. You're that like gross guy that, that like. Yeah, I'm gonna go home with you when I'm a little drunk. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's 
so perfect. The actor is Sam McMurray, who he's one of those guys who you're like, oh god, I've seen him in so many things. Right, I don't even know. Did yeah. you look him up? Should I look him up? He's he was on like uh, I've, I mean I I couldn't. The only other movie I, I like remember specifically is he's in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas oh, Vacation. He looks terrible now, Mary. Well, Ugh. turn the lights down low. Um, oh, <laughs> just pretend it's nineteen. Oh, he was. Again. That's right. He was in Adam's Family Values mm-hmm. as uh, um, I just know her Buffy character uh, as Harmony's father. Uh, the the, the blonde camper uh-huh. um she was in raising arizona in 87 national lampoons you're right um uh oh he was in master of sex um anyway uh yeah yeah so, just a, you know a bunch of things sort of character actor that you see everywhere but he right. does this like middle upper class classless grew up in mount rose probably on the football team got gladys pregnant when she was 17 now he owns you know lehman's furniture um, probably inherited the business from his father. Right. Um, and, you know, he's the, like, oh, my God. I mean, I have to say, one of my favorite lines from the movie is when we're... Actually, the whole scene when we're at Lehman's Furniture, that whole scene is such brilliant performance, and I just love the line and the delivery of, hey, Tim, Kara, you two don't drew me down too much on that, on that dinette, and I'll throw in the hutch for free. Like, it's so... That a guy who says "Don't Jew me down," I'm just oh, like God. that. That little nuance there is the, is tells me everything I need to know about Lester Lehman. Oh, okay, and I just think that is yeah, so, well, yeah, because he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny and so specific. Right. Um, and I just think that like it. There's so many amazing women in this movie, and he's really probably the only like male like running theme running character in the movie. Well, and like, then there's the pervert. Right? Well, then the there's the pervert. Judge. There's the judges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's just perfection in this movie um i guess the only other thing i would want to mention oh is the other thing that i like about um that i like about drop dead gorgeous and and why i think it was a little bit ahead of its time is we're so used to now there is sort of the new genre of like of like you know women behaving badly you know what i mean like bridesmaids and uh, sisters and these yeah, bad yeah, moms right, movies. Right, right. It's like women acting like men, and all this is in quotes, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of like what's being served here is, oh, look, women can misbehave too. Right. And I don't necessarily think that that's what Drop Dead Gorgeous was doing in terms of women misbehaving, but I think what it was was we weren't just laughing at the women in this movie. They were the ones telling the jokes. Mm. They were the They weren't there for us to kind of like point and like laugh at and like humiliate they were the funny characters they were the one they got the best lines in particular the older women in the movie got the best lines yeah you know i think kirstie alley's character gets the best lines i think uh ellen barkin right ellen barkin oh my god it's just fucking amazing in this movie um allison janney even the um that the the dance instructor like oh she's brilliant right um, she, oh she's so good i mean and that i think it's like chloris or something like that and just like when she's instructing them and she's sitting there in a chair oh with yeah a folding snack table right and a cup of coffee which you know is instant and this oversized ashtray she's always got the cigarette she's waving the fan i was like this is so great yeah. i know who this woman is yeah i mean the, you keep forgetting that it's not just um it, I mean, it's a movie. It's like it's all created. They've created this entire world yeah. so, so with so much detail. Yeah, and, and you could tell that it was. I mean, the writer 
um, Lona Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she was a pageant girl. Like she, this was her life. Right. Right. I, I think she she grew up in like Rosemount, yeah. Minnesota. Right. And then exactly. Like based it on that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes when Lester says about the parade. It's beautiful as a whore's ass, ain't it, boys? <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's also this this very small moment um, after the swan blows up. So, I mean, Mary's, we're just assuming you've seen this movie. Um, so we're not going to do like a full, obvious, like recap. But like the swan blows up. Everyone's running. <laughs> everyone's running and screaming. And they... <laughs> They cut to the mayor just clapping, and you just you see him mouthing words. Good job! Like while he's clapping, it's this bizarre moment. I I'm not doing it justice by describing it, but it's so, <laughs> it's just so smart, and it's something that I never really appreciated until like whatever number of time I've seen the movie. Right, right. And it's like that's why this movie is so great. Yeah, like that's there. Well, I mean, I heard the gems as the more times I watched it. Like mm-hmm. the one gem I loved after that moment is uh, when. Um, Kirsten Dunst is like I didn't want to win like this mm-hmm. um, and you know then Allison Janney's character is like well you're you're very lucky and then she's like no you're not lucky it actually fucking sucks you yeah. know it's, it, or yeah she says that like you know well good things happen to good oh, people yeah that's what it is she, good things happen to good people she's like actually they don't yeah you're just really fucking you're just lucky, really lucky so you better just like own this and run yeah, with it exactly um, and that's great advice mm-hmm. you know I mean granted I do believe that good things happen to good people but sometimes really fucking shitty things happen to great people yeah yeah no totally and I, and I think and it's what you do you know and i think it's kind of how this movie all pans out is like we get to the end and because of a a, a food poisoning incident oh at the God. howard johnson's oh, by the airport the howard johnson's by the airport that's oh my right. God, right by the airport oh the airport <laughs> yeah i mean like they're getting out it's yeah amazing. but there's something so specific about a hotel by the airport oh my God, howard johnson howard johnson's by the airport like you you're you're you think you're getting out but you're still just a Howard mm. johnson's you're by the airport right um but, you know, so towards the end of the movie, Amber gets to the semifinals. Everyone else gets sick on sell- shellfish, except for basically Loretta and Amber, because um, Loretta's fucking a waiter. Well, and you never eat something that you carries see, its house. Carries its house around. Yeah. yeah which is great advice. Yeah, which is great advice. Don't eat anything that carries its house around. You don't know the last time it's been cleaned. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so... It- <laughs> Amber, you know, she's she's de facto worked her way up the circuit, both from Becky dying and at the parade and then um, everyone else getting sick at the semifinals. And then she finally gets to Lincoln, Alabama, gets to the Sarah Rose Cosmetics headquarters. Right. And the place has been seized. Yeah. And from tax evasion. Yeah. And it's all fake. Right. And then the whole pageant was canceled and. All the other girls just like lose their and this like really bizarre scene. It's so the note I took was this this scene reminded me of um, the last scene of this of season two of the comeback where it felt like the documentary was oh, over, it was over right. and we were in this kind of a reality. Yeah, yeah I felt the same way. Yeah, um, and then you know all the other contestants freak out and Amber just gets back on the bus. And then later, it's not even over. It's not yeah, even over. Not and even over. and the only way that she actually gets the success that she wanted of of following potentially in Diane Sawyer's footsteps is <laughs> is by stepping in as a reporter while you know Gladys Lehman is is you know Going on, on the, a shooting spree. Yeah, on, yeah, on the roof of a supermarket, you know, uh, trying to kill her. I mean, right. it's I mean, it's it's all very over the top, and it, you know, it's a very over the top twist of fate. Um, but I think what it what the sort of message there is is that like the pageant did nothing for anybody right the pageant was not 
how Amber got out of it. It was nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's not how she got out of Mount Rose. Right. It's not how Leslie Miller got out of, you know, Mount Rose. Like she got, she got sex trafficked to, to the Philippines, oh, you know? God. Um, I even think about, you know, Lisa Swenson's brother who, you know, plays Liza. Oh, in the, the drag, the drag queen, the, the drag queen yeah. brother. And even that little story of, you're like, oh man, what did well, she looked up to him so much? Yeah, and like had no judgment, right? And there was something, especially in 1999, right, in a movie like this, that like at no point was that the joke, except for like at the end when she like tells her father, "Well, Peter's gay," right? And it's like, but we all knew that, yeah. Um, <laughs> and but she, there's no, there's something about that. I guess you know when you think about the time, well, of 1999, things, yeah. 1999, it's like it, it'd be so easy to make that. Like, like, oh, that nobody realizes he's gay. It's like, oh, no, no, he's a drag queen. He plays Liza in New York. Like, it's all amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and there's just those little, I won't say the N-word again, those little details are always welcome. Yeah. You yeah. Know, as a gay person, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I I, I love that detail. A yeah. Lot. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I so mean. that's dropped it gorgeous for me. I mean, is there anything else that you uh, you thought about with, with it? No, I I think yeah. I mean, in terms of any trivia that I wrote, you know, it was just that yeah that that Lona Williams also played Jean, um, right? And all and we haven't really seen anything else from her since she did co-write the movie Sugar and Spice like two years later. But she used a different name. Yeah. Oh, well, then they took her name off. Yeah. Well, she, no, she used the a, a fake name. Oh, in any event, she d- did not want to be associated with that movie, right? Which I did not see that's one of those like early sugar and spice yeah with the cheerleaders yeah it's good yeah it's just it's got all of those mina suvari's in it well so. mina suvari uh marla sokolov uh marley shelton oh you haven't all, seen it all, well i looked it up because you like, also know three things about everything right but it's like all of these similar like early 90s actress names i'm like this is like the generic blonde white woman on drag race judge you know oh, what i mean like right. i can't tell any of those oh, apart okay. right, yeah sure. like i kind of know who mina suvari is obviously From but american beauty right but i'm like all of these are the same woman this is this I is see. just an art and marin situation happening <laughs> um but i never saw that movie so i don't know why but yeah unfortunately we have not seen anything else from lona williams at this level since which is a shame she's a uh, very smart writer very much ahead of her time mm-hmm. oh so, yeah completely um yeah dropped it gorgeous all right well well good suggestion colin I'm, yeah. I'm glad i finally came to it it made me appreciate the movie a lot more just th- synthesizing satire and also not dismissing something as just satire right that right like okay what are you trying to say mm-hmm. and i think that it's so easy for us to be like oh i don't get it right 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 um and you know think deeply what was this writer trying to say and yeah um and i i got a lot out of it yeah i really appreciate that yeah um we should move on to our next and final segment sure. which we like to call reddit on reddit reddit on reddit so this week in terms of reddit on reddit um these are two one is not so much reddit related but i try to shoehorn it in just you know that we had said i think the last episode like the last few <clears throat> episodes of what's the tea we weren't really into this most recent one um oh, about hollywood yeah the interview with bob left sets yeah i was like oh spill the tea bobby like i you know every once in a while like like i love like when they can have a guest who, you know, Michelle and Rue can just let them talk. And it's like, and I want to hear. Like, I, right. that could have gone on the entire time. He right. had so many interesting things to say. Well, that was like the the other guest recently. Oh, now I can't remember who it was. Oh, I'm, God. I'm the one who talked about Motown. 
Well, there was um, there was the episode with Frida Payne and was it Thelma Houston? Oh, uh, that's who it was. Yeah, Thelma mm-hmm. Houston, and she. Oh, people always thought that she was Whitney Houston's daughter. Oh, that's right, that's right. And yeah, she yeah. had to tell them, and then Whitney Houston's like, "Do people think we're related?" Right. You tell them we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I really appreciate that they're bringing on these like these these. It's similar, like you know, the, the, these guests with history, these yeah. guests who can like remind us of things right and i felt like this most recent episode the, the other guy david russell he was fine they were just queening out on music it was i was glad rue had somebody else he could go to that level with uh-huh, right. um but i thought that you know i guess bob left sets has been around forever is kind of just this like oh yeah you know uh sort of a trend watcher um and i just felt like a Santino. lot of, well you know i don't really watch trends as a fashion designer um but uh yeah, I mean, some of the things he was saying about how music is being consumed now, what's happening in the music industry now, I was like, wow. Like, he condensed it all in, like, a really lucid way. And I felt like this man knew what he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it was just a really interesting well, it all To me, I mean, I haven't finished the episode yet, but from where I am now in the episode, like, it's all it's all a fucking business. Yeah. It's well, all about executives and their money, mm-hmm. which which sucks. So I'm, right. I'm excited to kind of hear what else he has to say yeah. about the artists that are making art, because he did say that, that it's starting to change. That the artists right. are getting a little bit more power back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, the other thing, which is sort of podcast-related, which I did find on Reddit today... Um, there is a, there was another, you know, another drag race podcast. You know, part of me wants to be competitive, but it's like, oh no, th- there's room for all of us at the table, Marys. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah. And so this, I guess they've been around for a while. I, I've heard of them before. They're called Sissy That Talk. And I think an episode they just put out where they were going to, and, and I think maybe they're doing maybe just one episode dedicated to season one. Nice. But what they're talking about is also like how the show has evolved and early themes. So I only just started listening, but I was like, oh, okay. You know, that part of me is like, um, we started doing that like weeks ago, but I'm like, no, you don't need to be that, you know, you don't need to be that girl that people thought you were. Right? Like B-I-C-T-H. Yeah. No, (laughs) no. I I welcome all perspectives. All ideas. No, for sure. That's awesome. Uh, So yeah, so I'm excited to see what they have to say, but I love that there are other people out there thinking about Drag Race the same way and talking about it the same way. So I can't 100% endorse it because I haven't finished listening to the episode, but if you were into our season one recap, check out Sissy That Talk and see what they have to Sissy say. Sissy That Talk. No, Sissy bum, That Talk. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that's everything I've got for Reddit on Reddit today. You know, Colin, I think before we close out, maybe we can decide on air. Uh, we can go a little off script. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're going to do next week. I mean, I would love, would love to watch uh, the Brady Bunch movie. Well, tough tits, bitch, because we're not doing it. No, of course. Oh, my God. Did you just say tough tits to <laughs> me? Tough tits. Yeah. They're really soft, actually. <laughs> Did you just say delicious? Did you just say delicious? <laughs> Give me uh, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Get me my purse. Get me my purse. Nobody um, knows what that is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Mary. Sorry. Right, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Shazam it. Um, no, I would totally do the Pretty Bunch movie next. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think Shelley Long is long overdue. So. <laughs> Somebody's dad, 11th hour. Finally, 11th hour 11th comes hour. in oh. in the clutch purse. And in case we didn't mention Alexis Michelle, we've now covered, <laughs> we've now rounded out an episode of All Right, Mary. Oh, yes. There we go, Mary. Um, we haven't quoted 
Uh, oh, maybe we have said on her alley. I did. Oh, you did, did. say Kenny yep. Ho. Okay. Yeah. Uh, little beady beady. Okay, we're done. Yeah, we're uh, done. Waves a hanky from yeah. now on. From now on. <laughs> from now on. <laughs> uh, act one gun. There we go. <laughs> yeah, okay. right. Yeah, social justice corner. I know. Right. <laughs> Sasha Valor is everything. Right. Oh, my okay, God. We're done. We're yeah. done. We're done. We're Gender's done. a construct. Um, you know, Marys, if you have anything uh, to add to this discussion on Drop Dead Gorgeous, if you want to read the movie for filth, if you want to suggest another movie um if you want to uh you know tell us hey go back to drag race be our guest um be our guest (laughs) and uh you can actually email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on twitter at allrightmary yes and of course uh you can be like pam tillis you can go to itunes and you could leave us a glorious five-star review um to the mayor. Oh, it's an amazing review. It's so funny. To the Mary. I mean, we don't we don't want to talk about no, reviews I, on here. No, I'm just saying to the Mary who wrote that review, if you're on Twitter or you want to email us, we just I just uh or Brilliant. you can just be this just sort of like ethereal creature out there. Yeah. I, that's fine too. Um, but uh was living. Oh um, yeah. And so if you want to be like Pam Tillis, quote unquote, you could also go to iTunes and leave us a review and leave us a rating and let us know you're out there and that you are picking up what we're putting down. There you go, Mary. There you want you want to uh take it away. I mean Ella Ella has stuffed himself oh. into a kidnap box. Oh my god, he's just this like By the way, kidnap box. If you haven't tried it, Mary. Oh. Just saying. Yeah, kidnap. If you've got a cat and it likes toys and treats. Uh you've this got This comes once a month. Yeah. And Ella finds I mean, basically Ella loves the toys mm-hmm. for the first, you know, couple weeks. Yeah. And then to tide him over until the next kidnap box, mm-hmm. he sleeps in the box. Which he's doing right now. Yeah, I yeah, should actually should take a picture. Take a picture. Yeah. My phone is actually on my counter if you want to go grab it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he sleeps in the box. Uh, this is kind of his thing. Um, and, you know, he's very grumpy right now um, because he knows that I'm taking a picture. Oh, you know, I think uh, Amanda and Neck are going to love yeah? the Vocal Selections book that's on my piano. Oh, look at those little details and nuances you've got in the background. <laughs> Stop it. Oh. I'm going to bite your tongue off. Yeah. Um, oh, that I... sounded really dirty. I meant grab your tongue <laughs> right. and pull it out. No, It's very <laughs> Silence of the Lambs of you. Um, <laughs> thank you, Chanel. <laughs> um, so on that note, Mary's... Um, now that I've been threatened with violence, uh, we should wrap things up here at All Right, Mary. Next week, we'll be back with another episode. We'll be talking more about uh, his- historical queens and a little bit of Brady Bunch. Beady, beady. Beady, beady. Uh, until then, all I've got left to say is bye. I'm beady, beady.